Amen. Thank you, Brother Amos. You can be turning in your Bibles a couple places. We got, we'll go to Ephesians 6, Colossians 3, and Hebrews 13, if you've got three fingers. Ephesians 6, Colossians 3, and Hebrews 13. And while you all are finding those three places, I'll uh, start with my... <clears throat> Uh, opening illustration, uh, I am the uh, oldest child in my family. In other words, all my siblings are younger than me. And there were a couple of times uh, when my parents would leave and uh, leave me in charge. Uh, some of you that are the oldest, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so you always got lip from your siblings, right? You're not the boss of me. Uh, you can't tell me what to do. Uh, but when my parents left and said that I was in charge, yes, I can. All right, so you have to do what I say. And so uh, my brothers and sisters, uh, I have one that was killed, uh, I guess, when I was about probably third grade. And so he would have been uh, about two years old then. But then uh, my mom had another child 13 years later uh, and then another child 15 years later. So I'm a good bit older than my uh, two brothers and sisters. And so I don't remember ever spanking them, uh, but I was given the right to spank them. And so they still are mad at that today. Uh, they don't remember me spanking them, uh, or, you know, because I don't ever remember spanking them, but I was given that right. You know, you're in charge, you can tell them what to do, and they have to do uh, what you say. Uh, some of you were, you know, I was, I was never asked this when a teacher left the room, I was never put in charge. I don't know why, uh, but I was never told, okay, you take names or you come up here and sit at my desk and, you know, you put check marks by everybody's name. We had some of those. You know, they'd write my name down about 20 times and I'd have check marks all the way down the blackboard for some reason. Uh, but I was never asked to be in charge of a classroom, uh, but I was asked to be in charge of my brother and sister. And so they had to do what I told them. Uh, and so I, I don't remember ever taking advantage of that, you know, take my shoes off, go get me a drink. Uh, give me some snacks. Uh, I don't remember doing that, but uh, anyway, they had to do what I said, and so that that gives uh, that gives me a little bit of power, I guess, in that situation. Uh, and you know, it, it didn't work with our boys too good because they were only you know they were less than two years apart. Uh, you know, and then he never wanted to listen to the other one. The other one always wanted to take advantage of telling him what to do, uh, things like that. So that wasn't very good. They they both had to be in charge when we left. Uh, but I do remember. When they got old enough to start asking for, uh, you know, babysitters by name, uh, you know, we want, we want Brittany to come watch us. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's time to get some dudes to come over and play football and, and order pizza. And so that's what we did for then on, you know, when they started asking for them by name because they were pretty and uh, they liked them and things like that, we were, uh, okay, let's get some ugly guys over here, get some pizza and uh, play laser tag or whatever. But anyway... Uh, but anyway, they, my, kid, my, my siblings had to do what I said. And so that's what the title of the sermon is, Do What I Say. Uh, and so I'm not going to do Simon Says to you today or Father Abraham or anything like that. I'm not going to make you do what I say. But according to the Bible, there's some people that were, were supposed to do what they say. And of course, there's not a lot of children in here today. But there's a few. I guess we're all children. We're just older. But anyway, in Ephesians 6.1, it says here, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I mean, uh, straight up, black and white, right here in the Bible, 
a command that a child is supposed to obey their parents. Uh, it, it gives us a little an out here, a little bit. It says, in the Lord. Uh, I believe, uh, obviously, a parent's supposed to be a spiritual leader, a spiritual example. And uh, as long as they're telling you what this book says, we're supposed to obey them. Uh, and so that, that, that's right there in the Bible. In Colossians 3, verse 20, starts out the same way. It says here, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So God looks down and sees if we're obeying or not. And the Bible says right here, if we are, it's well-pleasing to him. If we're not, he's probably disappointed. Uh, and, but there's something in us. It's called that old nature. It's called sin. Uh, that none of us like to be told what to do. Uh, you can go right now. I don't know if there is anybody in the nursery, but you can go in there in the nursery, uh, and none of those little rascals like to be told what to do. Uh, don't touch that. What do they want to do? They want to touch it, uh, especially if you're not looking. <laughs> All right? Uh, some of them are smart enough. They, they're watching. Uh, and as soon as you turn your head, they touch, 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 touch. Uh, it's just in us. Uh, and so if we're told something to do, we don't like it. Uh, and God knows that. So God, uh, there's a lot of verses in the Bible about humbling ourselves. There's a lot of verses in the Bible about submitting ourselves. So it, it takes effort on our part to do what we're told. Uh, so the children are supposed to obey the Lord in all, or your parent in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Uh, let's go to Hebrews now, Hebrews 13. And we'll look at verse 7 and verse 17, because I don't want to leave all the adults out. Uh, we thought, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm grown now. I'm still a child, but I don't have to obey my parents anymore. So he's not on my row. He's not stepping on my toes. Uh, but here's one that, uh, it, that puts all of us adults in the same category. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. So we're supposed to remember those that have the rule over us. And you say, well, that didn't say obey. Skip over to verse 17. <laughs> obey them that have the rule over you uh, and submit yourselves. We're supposed to submit to those that have the rule over us here in this life. For they watch for your souls as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For this is unprofitable for you. So we see here we're supposed to obey. Who? Those that teach us the word of God. So, of course, right now, if you're a child still at home and your parents have family devotions, which they should, they're teaching you the Word of God. So you ought to obey them. Uh, if you're uh, a teenager or uh, maybe a young adult and you have Sunday school teachers that teach you the Word of God, uh, especially if it's in the, in the Lord, like the Bible said about the parents, if it's coming from the Word of God, we're supposed to obey that. Uh, uh, I, I, I have the privilege of being the youth director, so when I teach the youth... They should obey me. Why? Because I'm trying to teach them the Word of God. Uh, we just had a lot of special guests or special speakers come and preach to us last week. Uh, those are our guests, but they were preaching us to what? The Word of God. Now, uh, I'm sure out of all those sermons we heard last week, there was a few opinions thrown in there. Uh, and there was a few of their, uh, maybe their preferences thrown in there, but most of it, they backed it up with Scripture. Uh, now, they, they preached some. Uh, there was a one sermon, I guess the first sermon we heard. that I'd never heard it in that angle before about the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, I'd never heard of that, but it didn't say it didn't happen that way. Uh, so it could have. And so we're supposed to take what we hear from the Word of God, and we're supposed to su submit to it, and we're supposed to obey it. 
Uh, do what it says. Do what the preachers say. And so, again, when we're here and they open up the Word of God, which is alive, uh, and the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart when they're speaking to us the Word of God, which is alive, uh, we're supposed to do what they say. Uh, you don't have to turn to this one, but Ephesians 4.30 tells us to grieve not the Holy Spirit. So we're supposed to do what He says. Now, we don't hear Him in an audible voice. Uh, but he speaks in that small, still voice. And so when that temptation comes, I guarantee you he's saying, don't do it. Don't succumb to it. Don't hearken into that. And so if we're listening to him, he'll be telling us what to do. And so we're supposed to obey. Uh, now, again, what happens is the devil, the world, our flesh scream at us what to do. And we usually do it. Somebody cuts us off in traffic, our flesh says, punch it, get back in front of them, uh, you know, mm, slow down, tap your brake. I mean, the, the flesh is always easily, uh, you know, giving us what to do. But the Holy Spirit's saying, be nice, don't do that, all right, uh, you know, just let them have their way, uh, you know, prefer, an honor preferring one another. The Holy Spirit's speaking in all those verses. We're supposed to do what he says. Uh, so, by the way of introduction, we're, we're, we're in the, all these verses... Uh, we're supposed to listen. One verse even said consider the end of their conversation. So we're supposed to listen to all those that have the rule over us, whether it be just in one sermon, whether it be for life, uh, whether it be for one Sunday school class. Uh, we're supposed to listen to those. And then it says here that we're supposed to obey it. Uh, and again, our flesh doesn't want to obey all the time. Now, if, you're, if you've grown to the point that you're just a wonderful Christian, super Christian, uh, you just obey, 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 obey. Uh, and you know, if your kid ever gets to that point, whew, uh, anyway. Uh, but then you're also supposed to follow. We're supposed to follow. Follow their faith. Follow their example. Follow their leading. Uh, so in, as, by the way, in introduction, we're supposed to listen to our leaders we're supposed to obey our leaders. We're supposed to follow our leaders. Why? Because the Bible indicates here that it's profitable for you if you do that. Uh, and the opposite of that is unprofitable. Uh, again, a, a child, uh, it may be unprofitable for where they sit. All right? It may be a little sore. All right? Uh, if they do not obey those. Now, we don't, you know, pastor doesn't give out swats. I hope he doesn't send on pink slips. Uh, you know, church member, whoosh, you're getting three swats next Sunday. All right, you, you skipped, no, uh, or somebody told on you. You know, they saw you uh, out where you shouldn't have been, and they text him and said, I said, well, give him three swats. No, pastor doesn't do that, uh, but I'd rather be spanked by my parent. Uh, even if pastor did swat, I'd rather be spanked by him than the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit can spank uh, and correct, and that's unprofitable for us. Uh, obviously, he can allow, uh, God can allow things to come into our life to correct us uh, and things like that. So we're supposed to obey, or I'm sorry, consider, obey, and follow those that have the rule over us. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you. Lord, I just ask you to help us, Lord, to listen intently today, Lord, so that we can learn something from your word, that we can better ourselves and better serve you. And Lord, again, once again, we do ask you to be with all the sickness that's going around, touch bodies, give healing, give strength, uh, Lord, so they can be back in church with us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to look at three places in the Bible where uh, something came up, and it, it may not have made sense. Uh, it may not have been something that th these people wanted to do uh, and, and things like that, but there was three places, there's many of them, but we're going to look at three this morning, where either the pastor or, or, uh, or the preacher uh, or somebody that was in charge said, this is what needs to be done, and those that were listening had, uh, you know, they could consider 
or they can obey or not obey. They could follow the example or follow the leading uh, or follow, or follow uh, what was said or not. Uh, the first one, let's go to Numbers 21. Uh, everybody turn over to uh, the book of Numbers, verse 21, or chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. And here's an, uh, a story in the Bible uh, where the people were uh, commanded or told what to do, and it was left up to them. Uh, it was put in, put in their lap. Uh, you, you may have been told something to do, and it's, it's up to you. Uh, you know, if, maybe it's your job. Uh, you can either get here on time all the time, or you can just not come in again. Uh, so that, that was given to you. Uh, you could be there, or you can produce this much or whatever, uh, and, and it was up to you. So we see here in uh, Numbers 21, verses 1 through 9, it says here, And King Arad uh, the Canaanite, uh, which dwelt in the south, heard tell of the Israel that came by the way of the spies. And he fought against Israel and took some uh, of them prisoners. And it says here, Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people unto thy hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened unto the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them in their cities. And they called the name of the place uh, Hormah. And so obviously we see here the, the, the Israelites were coming up to of some opposition. And like we do sometimes, Lord, please help. Uh, Lord, deliver. Lord, help, have your will in this situation. Uh, if you'll do this, I'll do this. Let's make a deal type stuff. And it says here, and they journeyed from the Mount Hor, and it says here, and they went to the Red Sea and compassed a land of Edom, and the soul of the people were much discouraged by, uh, because of the way. And so the people had asked God to do something. He did it, and uh, he delivered them and, things, and so forth. And so then they were in the way, and they got discouraged. Uh, I know there's nobody in here ever get, gets discouraged, but these people got discouraged. It says here, and the people spake against God and against Moses. And so they started blaming God for things. Uh, and, not, and then, you know, right after God, usually the, the pastor gets the blame for everything. Uh, you know, if the pastor hadn't done this or if the pastor hadn't wanted us to do this and the pastor hadn't said this. And so here, here are the people discouraged, and now they're running off at the mouth blaming God uh, for their discouragement, blaming the preacher for their discouragement. It says here, uh, wherefore, when he brought uh, us up out of Egypt, or uh, out of Egypt to die in this wilderness, uh, for there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our, and our souls loweth this light bread. And they, I thought they had just said there was no bread. Okay, so it's usually worse than we say it is, right? Uh, there's no bread out here, and they went, we don't like this light bread. I mean, right out of the same mouth. Uh, you know, so people running off the mouth blaming God and blaming their pastor, uh, blaming the preacher, uh, usually are not telling the whole truth. And it says here, and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and bit the people, and, uh, and much people of Israel died. And so God saw this situation. Uh, here they are, you know, Moses is leading them. They're supposed to be doing what Moses said, following Moses, considering Moses' conversation. And they, they got discouraged, they got mad, they got upset. They started whining about it, complaining about it. And God's like, all right, here's you some punishment. Uh, if you don't want to do what I say, if you don't want to do what the man of God says, uh, here's some fiery serpents. Uh, and again, uh, I don't like snakes. Uh, you know, I'm not one of those kind of, you know, I saw one the other day and it was the, you know, the red and the yellow and the black one. 
And uh, I couldn't remember that phrase to save my life. You know, red and yellow, friend of Jack, you know, I, ah, you know I, I couldn't do it. And so I just got away from it. Because uh, I, if I'd had a weapon, I would have shot. Well, I did have a weapon, but it was a bow and arrow. So I didn't know if I could stick him with that little arrow. But if it would have been a gun, I'd have just killed it either way and uh, let somebody else say that you know, phrase. Uh, uh, you know, and then some people say black snakes. Oh, they keep the poisonous snakes away. Mm, I just kill them all. Uh, and so and anyway, so I would not have liked to have been in this time. But all the people, uh, fiery serpents, all poisonous, came and bit them. And so, of course, now they're, they're sorry. Uh, you know, yeah, usually a snake bite or a big old swollen, you know, poisonous wound on your body tends to make you think, oh, God, I'm sorry. All right. Uh, so they're, they're sorry. And it says, therefore, the people came to Moses and said, preacher, uh, we're sorry. Uh, you know, we, we, we got discouraged and we were blaming you. We were blaming God. And it, you know, what neither one of y'all's fault. We're so sorry uh, that we have speak, spoke against the Lord uh, and against thee. Pray thee to the Lord. They take away these serpents. Uh, and Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that has bitten, uh, when he looketh, he shall, or upon it, he, it shall live. And so, of course, Moses made a brass serpent, uh, and he put it on a pole, and he lifted it up, and he told all the people, All right, if you if you're, have been bitten by a snake, and you, you think you're going to die, because most likely you are, if you'll just look at this brass serpent, you'll live. Everything will be fine. We'll go on our way. Uh, if you don't, you're going to die. And so, again, I can imagine the groups of people sitting there. Uh, there were some that they were truly sorry that they were griping and they were running their mouth against God and against the preacher. And, you know, oh, my goodness, what, whatever the preacher says, you know, I, I've learned, my, you know, learned from my mistake. Uh, if that's what he said to do, I'm doing it. So wholeheartedly, they looked at that brass serpent with all their might, uh, and this is what the pastor said to do, or this is what the preacher said to do, and I'm going to do it. And they looked, and we know the outcome. They lived, because they did what he said. But then there were some that were like, mm, what's this brass serpent? I mean, we know brass. That's not a, a recipe for snake bites. Uh, that's not an antidote for snake bites. I mean, who knew? <laughs> brass? I mean, you know, and again... It's not even really a good rendition of a brass serpent. You know, I'm sure they were complaining about that. You know, he didn't make it look realistic enough. Uh, and some of them, well, it's pretty realistic. But I, you know, and, they, and they, you know, they talked their way out of it. Uh, it didn't make sense to them. And then there was educated people too. And they, like scientifically speaking, all right, we know there's no way that a brass serpent on a pole up in the air can heal me of a snake bite. I got to go to the hospital. I got to get it cut out. You know, somebody's got to suck the poison out and spit it all out. And that, that's the way to do it. We know this is not. And they talk their self out of it. So, again, we have different groups of people. The ones that looked wholeheartedly lived. Then there was probably some like, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to try it. And they looked and they lived. So, I mean, we, we see here we have all kinds of people that didn't make sense to them. But what should they have done? They should have just done what the preacher said. And they would have lived. Whether it made sense or not. Whether it could be scientifically proven or not. They should have just done what the preacher said. And they would have lived. And so uh, I'm sure there were some that, that you know, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Uh, I don't want to do that. And nobody can make me. And they died. And so when you're out soul winning, and you give a person an opportunity to look and live, right? 
They can rationalize. They can say, nope, not going to do that. They can wholeheartedly pray and, get, and, and ask Jesus Christ to come in their heart, and they will be saved. Uh, and some of it just doesn't make sense to me. Sounds foolish. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand that. I don't see it. I can't, I can't wrap my brain around it. Uh, and so all these people were told what to do, and the ones that did lived, and the ones that didn't died. It's that simple. And so, again, uh, obviously, number one here, our first place in the Bible, uh, you know, do what the preacher says. I don't want to. You're going to die then. Do what the preacher says. I will wholeheartedly. You're going to live. Do what the preacher says. Well, maybe I can see it a little bit, but I'm going to look just in case. You're going to live. So uh, one place in the Bible here where it did not make sense and, of course, we, we find this verse, this, this illustration in John chapter 3, verse 14. It says here, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And so, uh, obviously, uh, it doesn't make sense to some people that there's only one way to heaven. But there's only one way to heaven. Uh, and, and they have to do what the Bible says. They have to do what that soul winner says. They have to do what that preacher says if they're going to go to heaven. Uh, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, first place in the Bible, didn't make sense. Look at the serpent and live. The ones that did, lived. The ones that did what they were said, they considered it, they obeyed it, they followed the command, and they lived. The ones that considered it, didn't obey it, didn't follow it, they died. Uh, Here's another one. This is an individual. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, this is here, now Naaman, the captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man. Uh, with his master and honorable because uh, or because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He, he was also a mighty man of valor, uh, but he was a leper. And it says here, And the Syrian had gone uh, out by the companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And of course, we know this. Naaman was a, a captain, and he was mighty uh, as far as battle and, and so forth, and things like that, but he had leprosy. And uh, the little maid was, was taking care of his wife, and of course, she obviously was a Christian and uh, knew a preacher and knew of God. And uh, she said, man, if, if he could just get uh, to the preacher, uh, and, and the preacher would tell him what to do, and he could be healed. And so, of course, we won't take time to read it all, uh, but over uh, in a couple of verses later, we, we hear that he gets that message. And Naaman goes over and uh, knocks on the door, and uh, Elijah sends him a messenger. Uh, he didn't go down himself, and he said, all right, uh, we hear that you have leprosy. You want to be healed of it. Uh, go dip seven times in the Jordan River, and it'll be, it'll be taken care of. We'll see it. Shut the door. Uh, and so, of course, uh, in the Bible here, it says he gets kind of upset at that. He's like, you know, here, I, I come all the way over here, and, uh, you know, he don't even take time to come talk to me himself. He sends me a messenger, and then he says, dip seven times. I mean, we got way cleaner rivers over to where, where I live, uh, and it would make more sense to, to dip in it, uh, in those rivers, than this dirty uh, river here. And, you know, goodness gracious, what in the world? And so he's, you know, making excuses of why he's not going to do this. Uh, it doesn't make sense to him. Uh, the man of God said to dip seven times in the Jordan River, and that doesn't make sense. 
Uh, it's dirty. It sounds, it makes, you know, it's, it's stupid. Uh, I'm not going to do that. And, uh, of course, then he was asked, now, what if he'd have told you to do something that was very difficult? Uh, maybe even cost lots of money. Maybe it cost a lot of your time and a lot of your effort. And it would have been a hard thing to do. Would you have done that? Well, for sure. Oh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And so, uh, again, I, I've been here a long time. And I've seen those that have listened to what's come from behind this pulpit. And they're blessed of God. And I've seen those that rebelled against what come behind this pulpit, made excuses for it, ran from it. Uh, you know, that don't make sense. And I, and I see that they're not as blessed of God, if not in trouble with God. And so, I mean, I, I've tried to talk to them like this person did to Naaman. Naaman, if he'd have said, you know, climb this highest mountain, or if he'd have said, build this, or if he'd have said, give this amount of money, I mean, to get rid of your leprosy, wouldn't you have done that? Well, yeah. I mean, go dip seven times. So he may have went and jumped in and dipped seven times, you know, enthusiastically. Or what, what can it hurt? And, you know, I've talked to many people. Uh, you know, preacher said this or pastor said this. And all they're, uh, all they're wanting is the best for you. And, and that person rebelling against it, rebelling against it. There's no good outcomes. Naaman, if he hadn't have just succumbed to it and went over there, submitted to it, and, and dipped, he would have died of leprosy. Because that's what sin does. It eats you. It takes your life. It, it, it takes God's blessing away from you. And so, again, all of us that, uh, that you know, teach in the school around here, or the Sunday schools, or our youth directors, or our Sunday school class, and we, we talk to people that may have been upset of something they've heard from this pulpit, and we're trying to say, man, Look, it's just the devil trying to confuse you. The devil just messing with you. Just do what they say. Okay? Uh, we're, we're, it's not like that we're trying to be, you know, like pastor gets accused of being a dictator. No, he just knows what the Bible says. Okay? This little girl knew that, hey, if Naaman could just get over to my preacher, all right, and uh, do what Elijah says, he'll be healed of this sin. He'll be healed of this disease. Ah, dumb, doesn't sound right, doesn't make sense. And people that run from God and do not do what the man of God says, they're just running into to death. If he would have left that day and, and followed his, uh, I guess, his temper, his, his uh, I guess, feeling shunned, if he'd have just followed that, he'd have died in his leprosy. But he, he listened he considered. So when somebody tells you, hey, all you have to do to get to heaven is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Well, that sounds too easy. I mean, if he'd have said, you know, keep this and you know, do this and, and, and you know, pay this much money and light this many candles and do this and that, uh, then I could see how that, that might earn me the way to heaven. No, 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 no. The Bible says and the preacher says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Even if it doesn't make sense to you, you still need to do what it says. Naaman said, mm, okay, you're right. I mean, what's it going to hurt? I mean, this, this is nasty water. And I'm sure the whole time, one, still got it. Two, still got it. He probably got up to six. It's like, I still got it. But he went down that seventh time and he came up and there was nothing there. Why? Because he had done what the man of God said. 
So God puts these stories here in the Bible. If you'll just do what my man of God says, it's going to work out for you. You're going to be blessed. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of the situation. So uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Here's another one that the pastor might say. Hey, just surrender your life to him. A lot of us don't want to do that because we want to be in charge. We know if we did what the pastor says and come down and say, okay, Lord, here am I. Do with me what you want. He might not let me do what I want. So that's why we rebel. But what we need to do is do what the man of God says. We're supposed to surrender our life to do his will. Uh, Here's another one. Uh, The man of God preaches and the Bible says, keep yourself pure. Keep yourself pure. Obviously, Hollywood doesn't say do that. The world doesn't say to do that. Even our own flesh doesn't say to do that. If it feels good, do it. But the Bible and the man of God says, keep yourself pure. We should do what the Bible says. Uh, Here's one for you, you single people. Marry who God created for you. I've heard him say it from the pulpit. God created you somebody. Just like he created Eve for Adam, he's created somebody for you, fellas. Marry who God created you, created for you. I want to pick. Now that doesn't make sense. What if she's not hot? That's what they say these days. All right. Well, have you looked in the mirror yet, <laughs> fellas? <laughs> Her level of hotness, if it's depending on your level of hunkiness, uh, you know, you might not measure up either. So, no, just do what the man of God says. All right. God has somebody for you, but it doesn't make sense. Uh, spend your life serving God. That doesn't make sense. Didn't make sense to Naaman either, but he finally did what he did what they said, and he was healed. So, uh, <clears throat> if you'll do what the man of God says, one day you'll stand before God and hear, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant." Obviously, Naaman got back home. Where's your leprosy? It's gone. It's gone. I'm healed. And everybody was, "Wow, that's awesome." So one day when we get to heaven, if we'll do what the man of God says, what the word of God says, what the Holy Spirit of God says, we'll be able to stand before God and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you'll do what the man of God and the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God say, one day you'll stand before God and you'll be, you'll be able to receive rewards. And then one day you'll stand before God and be able to cast those crowns at his feet if you'll do what the word of God says. Last place, let's go to Matthew. Matthew 19. So the first place in the Bible, doesn't really make sense, but just do what the man of God said. Look and live. Here was a second one. Dip seven times. That doesn't make sense. Just do what the man of God says, and you'll be healed. Here's a third and final one. Matthew 19, verse 21. Obviously, here's a young man talking to the Lord. And uh, he said, you know, what do do I lack? In verse 21, it says here, And Jesus said unto him, If thou be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But it says here, The young man went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. So it didn't make sense to the man. Go sell everything you got, and follow me. He didn't listen. He went away sorrowful. We won't take time to turn there, but there are several places in the Bible 
where Jesus made this same uh, announcement to people and they did it. Hey, come follow, you know, sell everything you got, come follow me. If you say that to m- most people in the world, that doesn't make sense to them. How am I going to make it? How am I going to live? <laughs> uh, uh, how can I take care of my family? But if God tells you to sell everything you got and follow him, you need to do what he says. Uh, Jesus said unto him, if you be perfect, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, follow me. Oh, that just doesn't make sense. Uh, I had relatives like that. When I said, I'm going to Bible college, I'm, I'm going to be a preacher, well, what's your backup plan? That's what I, they asked me that. Well, what's your backup plan? Well, I didn't think God needed a backup plan. I think he's able to take care of me. Well, what are you going to fall back on? Nothing. Not, not planning on falling back. Right? Uh, that didn't make sense to them. How in the world can you, can you just trust God to take care of you? Uh, he came up to Peter, James, and John and said, Hey, fellas, leave your boat, leave your income, leave your families, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Matthew 4.19. You know what they did? See ya. But everybody in town, man, guys, that's your income. That's your boat. I mean, that's your livelihood. What in the world? What'd they do? Left it. Followed Jesus. And he made them fishers of men. He came up to Matthew in Matthew 9 9. He was a tax collector. Uh, we probably wouldn't have liked him back then. Uh, but it says here, leave your money and spend your life serving me. Matthew said, Yes, sir. He did what he said. And I believe. Uh, we're, we just read some verses in a book that Matthew was able to write down for the Holy Spirit. Uh, he probably did not regret leaving tax collecting and following the Lord. Uh, Luke, in Matthew 8.22, Jesus came up to Luke and said, Hey, I know you're a doctor, but I want you to quit practicing saving lives. Follow me and come help me save souls. And Luke said, Yes, sir. Probably didn't make a lot of sense to people. Luke! I mean, you're a doctor. I mean, all kids, you don't want to be a doctor or a lawyer because they're the richest, right? Or they want to be, a, you know, Batman or Superman, uh, you know, because they're the strongest. Uh, but they, or they want to be, uh, you know, a policeman or a fireman or something like that. But we see here, Luke was told, stop trying to help save lives and help me save souls. Uh, Paul, in Acts 9.3, came up to Paul. Paul was persecuting Christians. He says, leave your life working for the devil and come work with me. And Paul left it. So we see here several places in the Bible that it might not have made sense to these people, but they were told by Jesus himself, leave that and follow me. Um, you know, I, I would do it. I mean, when I, when I, was, when I was a teenager, obviously, uh, I surrendered to the Lord's will to do what he wanted me to do. I uh, felt like Bible college was in that and went. Uh, I had, I had off, uh, offers to make lots of money right shortly after I made that decision. You know, I, I'm going to Bible college. I'm going to be a preacher. I was offered, hey, come work for me. You'll be making this amount of money a week. And it was a lot. And he, and he said, within three years, I'll turn the company over to you and it'll be yours. At 17 years old, I was offered that. That would have been nice financially, but it wasn't what God had for me. 
And those of you that know me know I'm a sports fanatic. When I left public school to go to Christian school that didn't have sports, all my coaches said, you're an idiot. I mean, you're fixing to start getting offers, you know, to go play college ball. And take care of, take care of the, the financial part of it. There's no doubt in my mind you could probably get one of those. But that wasn't what God had for me. So uh, sometimes it, it doesn't make sense to the world, but it should make sense to you. If God says, sell all you got and follow me. <clears throat> it's tough. I helped set up all those yard sales and watch my kids sell everything they had and move to the other side of the world. But I'd rather be there than right here since they're, in the, since they're in the will of God. It's tough. It doesn't make sense sometimes. But I'd rather do what God says and have God's blessing on me, on my kids, and on anybody else I love. So we see three places here in the Bible. Doesn't make sense to look at a brass serpent. Look at it and you'll live. Doesn't make sense to dip seven times in muddy water. Do it and you'll live. It doesn't make sense to, to maybe turn your back on what the world says and what I even want to do and do what God says. I guarantee you, uh, there's nothing greater than being right in the center of God's will and let Him bless. So in conclusion... Even if it doesn't make sense, obey God. Even if it sounds foolish, obey God. There's nothing that you have or will ever have that's worth standing before God and having Him be disappointed in you. Nothing. There's nothing worth it. So, does it make sense to you what God's telling you to do? Does it make sense what your pastor is telling you what to do? If it's coming from here, God's looking down. And he says it's going to be profitable to you or unprofitable to you. It's up to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed.